0: Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan. and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. How are you this week, Paddy?
1: Not as fantastic as I usually am, as I've paralyzed myself. Um, No, I just have like a a slip disc or a bulging disc, some fucking whack shit going on in my spine. Um, I just uh, moved incorrectly while squatting because, you know, my technique is awful, so... uh, yeah, it's not actually a big deal, but yeah, my back is sore, It's fine
0: Yeah, and our topic this week actually is kind of related to that because like for some context here, right? So Paddy hurt his back squatting, correct?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so had some back pain afterwards, you know, I think in the hours after the workout, had some uh, kinesiophobia, you could say, whether conscious or unconscious in the sense that he was unable to get into certain movements. It was like, as Paddy said, it was like his body just wasn't listening to him, wasn't no, able to get in. what I said
1: him. was my nervous system is a bitch. But anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know you said it more explicitly, but, I, you know, this is a kid's show. Um, but his nervous system was being a bitch, effectively, um, and that he had, you know, some very kind of subtle neuro, neurological symptoms in the sense of maybe a bit of tingling down the leg. So, like, in it, w- w- with someone that kind of presents with something like that, um, you know, someone on the street, some, a, a normal gym goer might say to themselves, Jesus, I got to go straight to the physio or I got to go straight to the emergency room or whatever. And maybe in some cases that might be a really good idea. But in this case with Paddy, it was like, okay, uh, you're probably going to be fine. Let's see how it is tomorrow. And as as Paddy just said before the podcast, that things have been getting um, a lot better since. So that kind of relates to uh, the topic of this podcast, which is effectively uh, self efficacy um, resilience self reliance to some degree um, with an emphasis on both what the, what this means for coaches and what this means for everyday people in the gym. Okay. Because what you see there with the example of Patty hurting his back is that he had some sense of, of of self-efficacy of independence that, you know, I'm in control of this situation. Um, this is not that much of a big deal. Um, I'm probably going to be fine and I'll just rest for a day or two and kind of get moving again when I can. That was his perspective. So it wasn't this situation of freaking out of care, seeking of needing care of needing someone else to come in and take over the situation. Okay. And like, this is not to say that care seeking is bad. Okay. If you, if you injure yourself um, and you're unsure, you're thinking, oh my God, is this a really bad event? It might be good to go to see uh, a physiotherapist or a medical professional to Rule out something serious so that you can go on your merry way and get back to training, get back to being physically active, etc.
1: However, I'm more like inclined to do that if there is like an acute event that I could be like, yeah, definitely. This this was the thing. Like I know literally when i was squatting, like my, I literally was like a not a freak accident. People say that, but like I literally just misgrooved the rep and like my pelvis like tucked under, and like it wasn't even that painful while I did the rep. You know, I, I, like I finished the rep because obviously I'm fucking savvy. You know yourself, Gary. Um, but uh, like I finished it, but I was like, oh, yeah, actually, that wasn't that wasn't great, you know. Um, and then I could feel already that kind of, you know, hesitance to move. You know, your body just kind of going, oh, just don't move there for a second. While I was unracking because I was like, all right, look, that's my workout done. I was like, I won't go, you know, won't, won't push it. And... Um, because so I had to walk home as well, you know, You know yourself. Um, so just unracked the wait times. Even then I was like, oh yeah, look, it's a bit, bit stiff there. But if there is an acute event like that, I'd be more like, okay, let's actually go, like we know there's an event, maybe then care seeking is a, an option, especially if you're not in the case of me, who has like some anatomy knowledge, some, you know, biomechanics knowledge, whatever fuck you want to call this knowledge uh, in terms of human movement. Um, so I'm like, all right, I know what has, what has likely happened and how to deal with that, you know?
0: Yeah. It's definitely not fair to expect a member of the general population to just have the exact same reaction as you or response as you, because they're unsure, you know, they've heard things like, oh, I slipped the disc, this needs to be intervened surgically immediately or whatever, you know, they they hear these things and you're thinking, oh my God, is this a really bad thing? And in some cases, obviously, there are alarm bells that ring up that should make you think, maybe I should seek care. Like if you... Uh, squat down to the bottom, you roll over on your ankle and suddenly it's swollen, it's bruised, or you've got a bone sticking out, you know, it's, it's, you've got severe pain. Like in those cases, obviously you should be seeking care. You should be trying to, um, at the very least, rule out something like a fracture um, and likely, you know, get, get appropriate care thereafter um, or in Patty's case, if he was trying to go to the bathroom after and he noticed, Oh, I've got foot drop, you know, I'm, I've lost power in one leg or both legs, or I've got, you know, uh, lots of numbness and tingling down my legs or in my saddle region around the perineum. Um, if you've got problems like that, or you know, you're know you retaining urine, etc., they're all kind of red flag symptoms that can be a little bit worse. Um, so yeah, this isn't the podcast for going through all that stuff. Patty's case is just an example. This is going to be more of a general discussion of things like self-efficacy, um, self-reliance, resilience, independence, etc. So first things first, why would we want to promote these types of characteristics in our clients, because I'm going to start by focusing on coaches because that helps you to understand, you know, why it's important for you as an individual. Um, because first of all, as a coach, as a personal trainer or, or as a healthcare professional, you know, there's some degree of like varying depending on whether you're a health care professional or a private personal trainer. There's some degree of financial interest in you getting new clients. Okay. That's just the reality of the situation. You getting new clients, you retaining clients over time um, is is basically how you make your living. Okay. So what you have to think about is what does that actually incentivize? Okay. Because obviously if a client signs up with triage, I want them to stay for as long as possible because that means that they're paying more money. You know, that's that's clearly an incentive that is there, and there's no point denying that. However, there are also other things that you want to be considering um, in terms of coaching quality. Okay. Because what, what we want to do at triage, especially, we have a, you know, a kind of a clear mission statement when it comes to what we're doing with our coaching um, that allows us to kind of override those incentives and ensure that we're not just engaging in, poor coaching practices to to get the most money out of people. Cause that's clearly not good practice. So what we t- try to do is effectively coach in such a way that people can get to the point where they no longer need us. Okay. That's our ultimate goal. Okay. And that, that means that, yeah. Okay. Maybe you're not going to get the most amount of money out of a person because you're not trying to, you're not trying to achieve that as your primary goal. That's not the goal, but what, but if you, if you want to think of things in terms of like the financial side of things, you could say that, you know, when you get your testimonials from your clients, if they're saying that, oh yeah, you know, after three months with working with Gary or Patty, I felt like I was able to totally take charge of my own training and nutrition. I'm so happy I signed up, you know, that can get you more clients down the line. So if you're worried about the financial side of things, you're an early career personal trainer, you're trying to get people to stay for as long as possible. Just note that by playing the long game, by promoting these sorts of characteristics, it can still definitely, definitely be in, in your interests. So with that in mind, you, you can see how starting to promote um, things like independence, self-reliance, self-efficacy in your clients is something that, you know, has its benefits because if someone finishes after three months or two people finish after three months, one client is in a position where they've gotten great results or let's say both of them got great results. One of them followed your program to a T They never asked any questions. They just kind of ate whatever, you know, you told them to eat. They followed the meal plan, et cetera. They got unreal results, but when they finish up with you, they're now in a position where they're unsure of the training principles that got them those results. They're unsure of the basic nutrition principles that got them those results. And they're ultimately still just following a meal plan that you gave them without educating them as to why they should be following that meal plan. Um, uh, they're now in a position where they're not actually able to continue getting those results, you know, even though it's after the coaching period. And you could say that, okay, they'll come back and they might get great results again. That's ultimately not our goal as coaches. Whereas another individual, what they might've done was got the exact same results or even worse results in some cases. Let's say they, let's say they got worse results. Cause I still think it becomes more of a positive if that person, let's say the last two less kilos, but over the uh, subsequent three months, they actually make even more progress than the other individual because they understood the nutrition principles. You know, let's say they were, they were calorie tracking, they understand, you know, what's in different foods now, they're able to track things, they're able to eyeball things um, from a training perspective. They're rotating in different exercises every now and then, but they understand, you know, how many sets they should roughly be doing, how many days they're going to train per week, uh, things like uh, how close they should be training to failure, all those sorts of things. Um, and now when they're in a position where they're not just making progress for those three months. They're actually making progress for six months, nine months, 12 months, years down the line. And ultimately, the key point I want to get across in this podcast is that personal trainers should ultimately view themselves as health promoters, okay, as frontline healthcare professionals. I don't think the personal training uh, industry standard uh, on average is in a place where we would call them frontline healthcare professionals. But I think that's ultimately the standard we should be trying to hold ourselves to, that that should be the goal, that we're ultimately playing a role of by intervening with exercise, nutrition, and lifestyle interventions, that we're preventing someone from being in the healthcare system um, earlier in their life and for more of their life and for more severe conditions, ultimately trying to improve lifespan um, in terms of number of years lived and health span in terms of the quality of those years lived disease free years etc so that 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 is the role of a personal trainer despite the fact that we kind of see the short term effects we need to consider the long term effects and by promoting resilience uh, by educating our clients by promoting self reliance self efficacy etc we can make sure that those effects that we have within the three months that we work with the client, that they actually last long into the future um, rather than just for that period of time. So, so there's some of the, some of the initial, initial thoughts I would have on this topic.
1: Yeah, like there's a few things just to launch on from there. Um, and yeah. like, I always look at it again, like comparing it to the the healthcare system, like say for again, like I'm injured now or whatever, right. If I was to go to a physio and I was just left in a position where I'm still going to the physio in six months, 12 months, 18 months, you know, not to say that there aren't actually, you know, valid reasons why potentially you could and should be going to the physio for two years, you know? Um, but just say for me, for example, you know, if I'm just going to a physio and the physio is like, yeah, the only actual intervention I'm doing is an intervention that basically means you have to come into me once per week indefinitely, you know? Like that's not a, a long-term solution for me because what happens when like, oh, I don't have enough money to go this month or, you know, I, I'm away or whatever. Like there's there's breaks in it or I'm just like, oh, look, you're not actually getting me results. At six months down the line, I'm like, I'm still in pain or whatever. You know, that's, that's not like, that I'm not going to recommend that physio ever again. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be like, they didn't get me any resolution. It just seemed like they were, bringing me in, giving me a robe or something while I was there. And like, I didn't, I didn't get anything from it. Like I got some momentary relief from it, from the pain. And then it was straight back. And it was just, there was no, they didn't educate me on like do these stretches or do these exercises or, you know, do these movements, strengthen these areas, or, you know, avoid doing these movements until you can do this. Like they didn't give me a, a return to play, you know, playbook or whatever guide you know and so that's not like you wouldn't want that you know like if I'm if I'm trying to get resolution to my back pain like that's not the person I'm going to go to right so why would you think it's going to be the person you should go to for your health and fitness stuff you know like oh I go to this one person and they're saying okay they're going to help me get to a place of self-reliance and an educated position where you know, in three months, six months, 12 months. Again, there's definitely, I've had clients for two years and then we move on to the, you know, self-reliance thing. Um, but like, there's definitely positions where you, you go for a longer period of time, but, if I'm going against the the person that's like oh yeah I'm going to try to get you to a position where you're self reliant and all these testimonials and all the people that I talked to that I've coached from you were like yeah really educated me really helped me you know navigate the food environment navigate the training environment so I knew what to do and they weren't like stringing me along just looking at me as like a a wallet you know um or you go to the person that's like yeah look I just I just train my clients when I'm there and there's no education. There's no like showing them what the principles are. There's there's none of that, you know, like it becomes clear who you would actually want to go to. If you compare that again to the the, the physio e- example, you know? So again, if you are a coach listening to this, like be thinking long-term with, you know, how you actually are approaching clients. And obviously we're going to get into like a a few more, like let's say specifics in terms of show you what we actually mean, rather than just being like, yeah, self-efficacy, self-reliance, like it's it's just vague terms, you know, Um, but you you want to have a client that is empowered because if they know, like you're effectively helping them on their fitness journey, you know, and you don't want to be coaching them when they're 90 you know like you just don't like I actually love my clients but I don't want to be talking to them the next 30 years being like all right we're doing the exact same thing yeah let's okay we're just going to tweak these you know like I, I don't want to be doing that I don't think that's sustainable I don't think that's a good like coaching practice you know and um, I'd rather them just fucking check back in with me in 30 years and be like yeah look I'm 60 years old now and I've had phenomenal results phenomenal health my whole life and it's all thanks to you helping with my, my diet and my training, you know, I've kept it up, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'd much rather see, see that, you know, than me checking in with them every single week or, you know, coaching them every single week and whatever else. Now, again, obviously there are certain circumstances where you probably are going to coach someone longer term because they have, you know, limitations or, or whatever. Um, But again, even though there is that obviously monetary incentive to be like, I want to keep these people on because they're paying me. We need to be thinking beyond that. You know, again, if we, as we said, if we want to have this healthcare focus or frontline healthcare uh, perspective on our industry, then we need to actually transition to having practices that reflect that, you know, like you you could argue if you, if you are so inclined that the, the medical healthcare system is somewhat, you know, money aligned where they're like oh yeah they're they're just trying to keep you coming in you know like i don't think that is the case like if you break your leg they're not going to be like yeah you're going to be coming in for the next six years you know uh for surgeries or whatever like again you might um but there, there's going to be a thing where it's like okay look your transition you're off you're off our books like you know see you later you know um so yeah yeah i mean
0: like the place that this comes up most often um, or, or is the clearest is definitely in the case of of injury and um, we will go through other examples with training and nutrition but in the case of, of pain and injury um, because I work with a lot of clients who do have some sort of pain or injury or rehab goal when they initially sign up and that is something that, that I see a lot this is something that that, that that does come up as a pro during the co- coaching process because what will happen something along the lines of right early on Maybe someone has some complaints in their shoulder or complaints in their knee or their back or whatever. And they're saying they might check in and they'll say, or they won't even check in. They'll, they'll message me immediately during the week. They're like, Gary, hurt my knee during training today. What should I do? Thinking of going to the physio, um, uh, really concerned, uh, let me know ASAP. Okay. So that's like early on in the process. Whereas what might happen later on is that it'll be an end of week check-in and they'll say, Hey Gary, uh, knee flared up there on Tuesday. Basically what I did. I did a couple of less sets, and I stayed further from failure. Um, And then for the rest of the week, I just kept my squats lighter, um, feeling much better now. That's like that is the biggest win I could possibly get in coaching because one, I didn't do anything, and two, they did everything. You know, and they were in a position where they were comforted by by their own knowledge, and that they were able to say. I know this isn't that big a deal but not only that they were also able to make the decisions to move forward without having to seek care so that that obviously saves them money and potentially a lot of money because what can actually happen here sometimes is that individual they might go in for uh, to see the their GP let's say and the GP says oh I'm concerned I'm going to refer you for an MRI and then you've get your MRI booking and then your uh, you they find that there's oh there's a degenerative meniscal tear, um, and you don't know what that means because why would you? Uh, you don't know about the, the the success of surgery versus conservative care, etc. And then. That degenerative menis- meniscal tear, you end up undergoing a surgery for that. Okay, so more time out of training, um, and then follow up physio for that. So clearly, like if you're if you're paying for all those things, the the, the financial cost is building up significantly. Um, but you're also now in a position where. You're ill, and you're a patient, even though you were previously just a casual kind of trainee, you know? And, and it might even be the case that you've now undertaken a surgery that may not have even benefited you versus just conservative care, because that does happen in some cases. Um, so you can even see... It's on conf- that as well, like the
1: longer-term thing as well, because you can also have a position where people are like, no, you should never lift again. You like, Yeah, even worse. Like, and you just... like. If that's it's just reckless you know like yeah okay maybe you have to modify things um to go around maybe I don't know you got screws in your spine or some shit you know Um it's like yeah cool like you, you might have to work around some limitations don't do this exercise or you know do this exercise instead or or whatever but if you make someone weaker long term I don't think that's a good thing I don't mean just like strength as in like you know gym strength I mean like even psychologically it's like oh no you should never do no don't don't move like you need to move like a tin man like a gust of wind could you know destroy everything we've we've put together for you you know like that's not a good position that's not where you want to be as an individual or you know if if you are coaching individuals in this kind of rehab capacity
0: yeah and and the straw man that one would create if they were trying to argue against this point is that they'd say so you're just saying that people should just keep going and get on with it that's absolutely not the case what we are suggesting is that someone when they have these uh initial you know bouts of pain or whatever that they're educated on what they should actually do with their training with their lifestyle etc to try and overcome it and then if it doesn't get better and it's continuing to worse so- okay or to get worse, of course, yes, you know, seek care. You might need to make further changes. But if that client that I was working with that they are able to turn around, you know, twelve weeks into the coaching process, and say, "Hey, I made these decisions, and I'm seventy percent better already in the space of five days," then that's a huge win because they didn't actually end up in the healthcare system and didn't end up exposed to all the potential risks that are associated with that. You know, obviously, we like to think of healthcare and care seeking as being something that is just a you know, just purely positive, but that's absolutely not the case. People can be overdiagnosed for things that aren't necessarily real problems. People can, you know, end up taking or or end up uh, getting certain interventions that may not even benefit them, that may benefit them, but there's always risks associated with every intervention, whether it be a drug or surgery, et cetera. So ultimately, if you can have things in place that stop you from ending ending up on that pathway when it's not necessary, then that is a huge win. Okay. So that's something that I always, try to bring in to my coaching practice is that when someone gets injured they have some sort of pain i'm not just thinking how can I ensure that this is resolved ASAP? I'm trying to think, okay, what can I tell the person or what what do they need to know about this situation um, so that they don't actually end up uh, in this position in future where they respond the exact same and it's not actually superior response. And that might include things that, and obviously I don't expect every personal trainer to do this. I'm just giving you examples. This might include things like, right, someone has gone for that MRI, let's say, and they say, okay, there's a, there's a degenerative meniscal tear that I might present information to that an individu- individual saying, right, these are actually present in a lot of asymptomatic people. Here's the percentage of people your age that these are present in. Um, here's the success of interventions and here's the success of, you know, just kind of managing, managing it conservatively in terms of exercise. Um, and here's the number of people who are actually athletes that train with these all the time. That's not a big deal. You know, they, that's the type of information I give to people because then what that lets them know is that, Oh, right. This isn't just some big scary thing that happened to me and that is 100% associated with my pain, because that can happen a lot of the time. For example, if Paddy was to go and get an MRI in his spine at the moment, they might, we know that Paddy has back pain. And then if Paddy was to go and get that MRI, they might find lots of different things that are in the, that are in the spine, different problems, etc. And it mightn't even be clear that they're problems. It might We mightn't we can't necessarily infer that they are the cause of Patty's pain because they may have been there previously. And that's what ends up happening a lot of the time with with pain and injury and, and scans, et cetera. Um, so again, not saying you shouldn't go and get a scan when it's justified, not saying you shouldn't seek care when it's justified. Rather, I'm saying that as a personal trainer even, um, if you can give people strategies to manage um, increases in pain when they do um, begin to present themselves. I think that can be a really, really positive thing. So like, obviously we've discussed this in previous podcasts about managing pain and injury, but it could be something like, right. When your client has, you know, they're complaining, oh, you know, my shoulder's a little bit niggly this week. It's, it's not as good as it was last week. You might simply say to them, okay, let's take the exercises that, um, uh, is aggravating the shoulder and let's uh, take one set away next week let's stay two to three reps from failure instead of uh, the zero to one reps that we were doing last week um, and let's reduce range of motion a little bit on the bench press because that seems to be the exercise that's provo- that's provoking it the most then what we'll do is we'll review next week we'll see how it is if it's improving we'll keep those changes going for one more week and if you're kind of 90 percent better we'll try to reintroduce things as normal does that sound like a plan Boom. It's clear. It's clear that the person has made a plan. It's clear that there's not only a plan in place, but there's also points that we can review at that we're going to say in two weeks, if not this, then this, because you might say that, all right, if if things are worsening, we actually should, you know, seek physio or seek a, a GP or whatever. Um, and then we refer out. So, so yeah, they're the types of examples where this does come into practice in the case of, of pain and injury, but I don't want to focus solely on that because it it does go a lot broader
1: yeah, I just wanted I to, want say, to say something like, first of all, Gary's going to cover a lot of this stuff in the coach's corner. So if you're not in me, just saying. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I actually think it's easier to see this for just general population or coaches if you just talk about it in uh, the context of training and nutrition. Because obviously uh, with injuries, people are like, oh, uh, oh, I don't really know about this one. I coach a physio yeah. straight away. Which is but, fair enough. It's fair enough. That's, that's definitely, if you're a, a lay person and you have no you know, no idea about anatomy or anything body related, like go to someone that you can probably trust, you know? Um, Like that's just, that's just common sense, you know? Um, But in the case of like training and nutrition, it's a little bit easier to see how building like that self-efficacy and knowing what to do in situations. Now, obviously, again, if you're a lay person, you're not going to know what to do in every single situation, but having a principle guiding framework of how to deal with situations that's what we want to give to people that are engaging in coaching you know like it's like oh well what do i do in this nutritional situation or what do i do this training situation let's give some guiding principles so that we can navigate them for example like i'll just give an example for training and nutrition so with training say you are an athlete you know you're you do gaa you know you do sport and you're also going to the gym right and you have a plan you're like all right this is my plan my three days of resistance training and i have three days of you know two days of ga training and uh, a game you know on the weekend right and you have your, your week plan day you're like this is the days i'm going to do this this and this you know all great happy days and then your game gets changed you know and now it's on a thursday evening when normally it, you wouldn't have training then or whatever you know so uh, a self-reliant or self-efficacious <laughs> uh, individual is going to be like, all right, cool. I know the general gist of what we're trying to achieve with this training program in this given week. And I also know the, the resistance training principles that are, you know, guiding this. And then I also know how to modify this so that I can be where I want to be, you know, top form for my game. Cause that's obviously the more important thing in the week and, um, so I'm not like battering myself with legs that are lower body that the day before, you know? So you're like, this was the plan of action going into the week. This is how I'm going to tweak it. Either you're changing the the days around, you know, you're like, all right, I'm just going to tweak the, the format of the days around so that it makes sense now that my week has changed, my week structure has changed, or you're doing something like changing the, the volume the reps the sets or the intensity of that again maybe you're using rpe or reps in reserve or just like oh that feels heavier you know um you're you're, you're changing you're modulating the volume the intensity um, and maybe even the the overall exercise load in terms of you might be like right i'm just going to do two or two of these four exercises i was going to do and um, just because they're the big hitter ones and I want to keep them in, but you know, I, I know I, I these exercises generally cause me some you know DOMs a little bit more. Maybe it's like a, a lunge or something, or something that gets you into a really like lengthened position. You're like, look, that always does give me a little bit of DOMS. It's a very effective exercise for me, but with what I have going on, I'm just gonna leave it out, you know. Like you know how to structure your week, you know how to modify your week, you you know how to do that. If something comes up, you know, you miss a session, like you, you have the, the understanding so that you can navigate the, the training landscape and be like, yeah, I know what to do. And um, if this happens, you know, again, there's going to be random things that pop up, you know, or maybe you train in the evening and I don't know, something came up during the day and it's like, you didn't get to the gym until an hour later. So you now have, I don't know, the gym closes in 40 minutes and you're like okay what do I need to change so that I can get a good effective workout in in that 40 minutes you know like there's all these little things they come up right so you need to know how to navigate that and not be relying on someone else to navigate it for you however there is that position and this is where like coaching comes in like I effectively see it as like you're holding someone's hand down the path you're showing them how to walk on this path you know, um, or you can think of it like a boat. You're you're the one rowing the boat at the moment while coaching is going on. But all the time you're rowing the boat, you're showing the individual how to row the boat because you're like, I'm going to get off once we get to this point. So you're going to be in charge of rowing the boat. You know, like obviously they're not going to know everything once they finish coaching or throughout the co- coaching process. However, it is that slow accumulation of more and more knowledge and a slow accumulation of okay so this is how we navigate this this is how we navigate that this this is how you should potentially be thinking about what needs to be done versus what we can kind of go okay we can drop that out if needs be and how to modify things so i think it's kind of easier to see with the training it's even easier to see with the nutrition stuff because like again if we're in a position where it's like most people on the weekends they might have a different, you know, eating schedule than when they have when they're in work Monday to Friday, you know. And um, so we need to know how to to navigate that. Just first of all, because most people end up like binge eating on the weekend. Like that's probably the most common eating pattern in you know humans. It's like yeah, Monday to Friday we eat relatively lower calories, and then on the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, it, it's higher calories. You know, so. We need to know how to navigate that just from the perspective of oh, we want to stay on track, but also from the perspective of there's probably more events in terms of, you know, christenings, confirmations, weddings, whatever, you know. But also just you know, nights out, um, meals out with friends, family, especially after all this crazy COVID stuff. More people are kind of like, Oh, well, I wanted to see my friends and family, haven't seen them for a while. Let's have a, a small gathering, you know again, you need to know how to to navigate that with your nutrition. Like, are there plans in place? So maybe we're eating a little bit lower calories, the days leading up to it, maybe we are, you know, on the on that day, we have an idea of what we're going to order in the restaurant or, you know, drinks or whatever it is, maybe you're like, okay, well, that means I need to get a little bit more protein earlier in the day, a little bit less carbs or a little bit less fats, whatever, right? But you have protocols in place, you know, you've, you, you, As an individual, you know how to navigate that food landscape so that you're staying still relatively on track with, you know, the the calories and macros, for example, that you want to hit or, you know, the overall diet proportions that you want to hit, you know, and obviously there's multiple ways that you can coach nutrition, um, but whatever way you are actually going through that nutrition process you are coming up with some sort of protocol some sort of plan to be able to navigate all of these things that come up you know again maybe you prepare all your food in advance and you know you're in work and you realize oh i forgot my lunchbox you know like how am i how am i going to navigate that you're just not eating it you know and oh couldn't stick to my like rigid meal plan so i guess i'm not sticking to it and give me whatever you know you don't have a plan of action you don't know you don't know what why that meal was a, a good meal uh, for you like why it was getting results so you're like i don't know anything about the, the meal so i'm just going to eat whatever you know i, I just I couldn't you know um. so i think it's kind of easier to see with the nutrition and the the training how being you know self-reliant and self-efficacious um makes a lot of sense from a coaching perspective to get an individual to that point. And that takes time. That's like, that's an extra thing that you have to do in the coaching process, like help educate the person, help them understand what they need to focus on and what needs to be done. Um, But it it does take time to get to that position. But as an individual, it also takes time to get to that position. You know, like you're not just going to have it, pick it up overnight and be like, yeah, look, I learned to make calories and macros. Look, it's actually too easy now. I can just, Go in, eat anything I want once it fits in my calories and macros. Happy days, because people do think that, and then they realize down the road they're like, "Wow, this is actually a lot harder to actually hit these targets." You know, they'll, they'll be like basically wing it most of the day, and then it'll come seven o'clock, and they're like, "Wow, I actually have to eat 150 grams of protein right now." You know, and it's like that's like that was because poor planning throughout the whole day because you don't have the understanding of how to actually navigate. The, the food environment you know and obviously there's when you're coaching this there's multiple ways to go about doing this and like there's like throwing people in the deep end and letting them kind of swim themselves which is something i actually like doing because it, it helps teach them and they start understanding stuff like again they get to the end of the day and they're like whoa well, like i have 150 grams of protein to eat so then you're like let's talk through this and let's you now realize that planning out your meals ahead of time you know, it makes a lot of sense because situations like this happen and then it's harder to hit your, your calorie targets or your macronutrient targets or whatever it is, you know, and, and then you start coaching them on how to actually navigate that over time. You know, but there's also a more of a, a handholding method in terms of you, you give them pretty much everything at the start and then you, you know, pull things away, which is a- another way you can do it in terms of you're like, Right. I want you we here's a meal plan, we're going to stick with this. Let's start transitioning away from a meal plan then, you know, in a few weeks where it's like, I want you to choose a meal that, you know, is similar to this meal in terms of calories and the macros. And you're basically educating them on how to eat similar to the meal plan, you know, what's making the meal plan work. You know, there's there's multiple ways to actually to actually go about doing this. And especially as you get longer term with a client, like you might do things like, right, we're actually just going to take a month's break from coaching. You have a few things going on this month and I think you can navigate them on your own and think it's good to just be able to go out on your own and you know stay on track because it teaches them you you find the failure points they might be like look yeah i actually found it really hard to deal with this or you know not having the weekly accountability or or whatever it is really made it hard for me so you find these failure points you do basically a stress test and then you go on back into coaching you're like right we need to deal with these sort of the next time we, you know, stop working together, whether forever or for a month or whatever, um, these things are not going to be an issue, you know? So there's multiple ways to navigate it. And again, I'm going to just fucking sell, but these stuff will be discussed in the coach's corner. Um, so yeah, if you're not in there, get in there.
0: Yeah. And like, the I think the thinking about your own kind of coaching philosophy is something that's quite interesting here because, like you said, there's the difference between the throwing the person in the deep end and the, the hand holding kind of method. And, like, I definitely probably definitely probably be biased towards uh, just throwing people in the deep end, but that's that's mainly because personally, I've always found that to be how I manage best in terms of situations in terms of uh in terms of education especially when it comes to like practical education like from being on placement and stuff
1: immersive learning i think that's what they call yeah
0: it. exactly just 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 being totally um immersed being beyond your depths and having to come up with strategies to deal with that because it's not like the thing is it's not just about uh having a client like well, let's say when they sign up um i'm not thinking about how can i get this person to know everything they they possibly can immediately right that's just not useful okay because what what we can do there is i could get them to sign up i'll send them you know 10 i could send them 10 documents that goes through every possible problem they could ever encounter like that's not actually that useful because what a more specific approach is is for me to for the individual to sign up for me to give them let's say their training and nutrition guidelines to cover the basics obviously of why i've made these training decisions here's you know how to do the exercises. Um, Here's, you know, this is why we're tracking protein, carbs and fat, etc. Obviously, I'm giving people plenty of information, but I don't want to cover everything because what I want to know is that at the end of week one or week two or whatever, I want to know what they struggled with because that allows us to actually get to the, the real problems because you don't want to address loads of problems that aren't actually problems because I don't know necessarily every single client's level of nutrition education and previous experience when they sign up you know they might give uh, a rundown in their questionnaire initially but it's not going to give me a complete understanding whereas if someone at the end of the first week they come back and they say gary i really struggled with uh hitting the protein target, it was above what I've been used to. Um, I also found that the fiber was actually much higher um, than I've been used to as well. That was quite difficult. And steps, I previously thought that I was getting you know, an average of 10,000 steps, but it turns out my average is actually probably closer to six and that some days were just higher. So now what, 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 I, what I've done there is we've given initial guidelines that kind of gave them things to aim at. And now they've come back with the feedback to tell me that Protein, fiber, and steps are the main things this person struggled with. So I need to focus on developing strategies for this individual that can overcome those problems. And now we've created a more specific, uh, not just plan of action, but also education because they're, they're the things that the person struggles with. Because if someone is hitting their carbohydrates perfectly and their fat perfectly and they, you know, it's all great sources and everything and their sleep is on point, then it's a waste of my time to send them and their time for me to spend a 10 minute video, let's say discussing, um, how to get enough sleep when they're just like, yeah, but I've already got that down. So why would I worry about that? You know? Um, so when you're thinking about that kind of immersive process or throwing someone the deep, in the deep end, it's not just about making sure they find ways to overcome the problems. It's also about being able to identify the problems better. Um, and that's ultimately about, uh, customization and a similar thing would be, you know, if you're, Let's say I'm a I'm a, stu- a student doctor, right? And next year I'm out on placement, and I have an educator, um, a doctor who's trying to educate me, and they give me the exact same stepwise process of walking me through, holding my hand, as someone else, um, whereas the other medical student, their background is actually in psychology and mine is in physiotherapy and we're in an orthopedic rotation. Um, and I obviously have a bit of experience from a physio perspective on that. And they're educating me, holding my hand, being like, All right, you know, so this is uh, uh, the ba- the ba- a person with back pain and this is the prevalence of back pain, et cetera. And they start talking about exercise, et cetera. And they're educating me on exercise. And I'm like, Wait, I'd actually rather, you know, you actually spent more time educating me on something else because that would actually bring me up to a higher level. So it's about customization. You know, if person if someone's holding your hand and teaching you the exact same thing as they teach someone else and starting from the start all the time and not speeding up, not focusing on different things, that's not quality education. It's not individualized education. So that's ultimately what what we want to get to um, with our clients. Now, with that said, that immersive kind of into the deep end approach, it's going to work better. Um, at least a lot of the time, for people who have some sort of basis. You have to do more hand holding if someone is a complete beginner. If someone has no idea what they're doing, they've never stood foot in the gym. uh, They've never uh, tracked their nutrition. They've never even paid attention to what they were eating. Very clearly in that case, you can't just give that person very vague guidelines on week one, like, uh, yeah, you know, I want you to track your calories. And uh, here's a three-day program. Um, with no exercise tutorials, no cues, nothing, because they're like, I don't know what to do at all. You know? But there's still an element of into the deep end with that person, because you might give them a video on how to do the squat um, that you know, is very general, but it might not necessarily be specific to that person. So they're still going in, they still have to troubleshoot the squat, find different problems. And they might come back to you and say, my biggest problem was actually holding the bar Whereas you could have spent all that time giving them cues for every single joint, which would have just been overdoing it because the pro the main problem they had was holding the bar. So that's the thing that you then address on week two. So so yeah, you can see how this does need to be considered on an individual basis. And that's obviously the art of coaching. That's obviously the difference here between just saying this is the best way to coach and you know this being an approach that you actually individualize for different clients. But I think if you can have that overall framework of putting self-efficacy, the person's independence, the person's long-term ability to manage their own training, nutrition, pain, injury, lifestyle, et cetera, um, both through education um, and through like them developing their own strategies as they move along and then showing themselves what they can do. I think if you can do that, I think th- that that makes you ultimately a far better coach in the long-term. And despite the fact that you can be fooled by thinking the best approach is to just keep people on your coaching um, rota for as long as possible i think ultimately longer term it's a far better approach even financially to try to you know do the best for the individual because um, it will come back to help you as well as a coach
1: 100 percent um so okay we've hopefully enlightened people in terms of building time coaching self-efficacy is a good idea and giving them some sort of framework of thinking about that but how do we actually build that self-efficacy because we've mentioned like education we've mentioned you know a more tailored coaching approach but what does this actually look like in terms of how like how am i you're coaching me gary right how are you getting me to a position where you're comfortable going he can probably go out and coach himself you know how do you know how do you how do you get to that point like what like what are we hitting milestones? Are we hitting like landmarks? Like wh- how, how do you know? Like obviously a lot of it is going to be dictated like, oh, well I'll, I'll, I want to finish up coaching. I have, you know, a job, a new job or college or whatever. And um, I, I feel I'm pretty confident in knowing what to do. And obviously there's going to be a, a case where when you finish up, it's like, yeah, like feel free to ask questions in the future, like drop me an email or whatever. Like that's just mm-hmm. fair enough. Like, um, but how do, you, how do you get me to that point and how do you know I'm at that point?
0: One of the biggest things for me, because obviously we've discussed specific examples already. So I'm not going to go over like the start of the coaching process, etc., cetera, over again. And, you know, the pain stuff, the injury stuff. One of the biggest things that I think is, is definitely underrated um, is collaborative decision making. And this is something that I bring into the coaching process more and more over time, the longer someone's been working with me. Because at the beginning, you know, it's going to be more of a dictatorship. It's going to be more of a case of, I'm going to make these decisions for you in terms of training and nutrition because we need to start somewhere. And clearly by virtue of the fact that you've signed up for coaching, you're not sure of where that point is. Okay, cool. No problem. Let's set your training program. Um, I'll make a, an estimate of what's likely to be the best pla- the best plan of action at the moment for your training, nutrition, and lifestyle. But as we move along let's say we're six weeks in, we're making some program changes. You know, the person might be giving me lots of feedback and they're like, um, you know, they're providing lots of feedback and I might, I might ask them, you know, just uh, what, have you, what have you enjoyed? You know, very, very simple questions at the beginning. You know, what have you enjoyed in terms of exercises? What didn't you enjoy? Boom, that's a bit of feedback, okay? Um, and then as that moves along, let's say we're three months, six months, nine months down the line, what I might start asking are more specific things like, right, so this program, or this phase of training uh, went really well, uh, but do you have any suggestions as to how we could change the change the to next phase? What do you think might work, might work well? You know, and obviously it's not the case of me just letting the person make all the decisions, the client make all the decisions, but it's rather the case that I wanna see one, I wanna see where they're at in terms of how they're making decisions, um, but I, I'm also trying to get them to the point where they're able to make the decisions. Um, and sometimes their suggestions might actually give me new information that I wasn't aware of. You know, they might say that, um, look, Gary, the, the hack squat was actually great. I really enjoyed the hack squat. But one of the problems is that uh, in my gym, uh, it's real busy, let's say. It's real busy and uh, people love using the hack squat. Um, and you suggested that I use a reverse band on the hack squat, but I actually don't like doing that because it's awkward to set up and etc. You know, all this, these different types of information. Um, and they might say that um, while I enjoyed the hack squat, I actually personally find that when I do a barrel back squat, I get more psyched. Uh, I get more uh, pumped about the, about the session. I look forward to it. I like the numbers aspect. So I think that in my own training, I'd like to have a bit more of a numbers focus in terms of tracking things like strength, even though my goal is hypertrophy. If someone comes back and says that to me, I'm like, boom, that's amazing because I'm not able to get all that out of you all the time. Um, and, And you might be missing those things as a coach. So if you're not asking questions, you 're not getting the right information um, and by bringing people into that collaborative decision decision making process, you force them to think through this stuff you force them to think about what they would do if they were in such a situation, um, and then that ultimately sets them up for the future as well so so yeah, I think um, giving your clients some responsibility can can be really helpful the same thing when it comes to nutrition, you know what I might say to people um, early on it might be very basic things like what are your preferences? You know, if, if you're sitting down for a meal, is it generally going to be like a, a kind of a, a more a meat or animal-based meal? You know, you like you like animal foods in general. Maybe you like higher fat foods. You know, you're the type of person that's like, if you were to sit down for a meal, it'd be things like chorizo, mature cheddar, dark chocolate, you know, those kind of rich flavors. Or are you someone who's like, I just love rice? You know, you know those types of things might actually influence our decision-making because, right, I know what your taste preferences are. Boom, that's simple. We can start to... Um, make sure that your, your macronutrients um, are set up in such a way that facilitates that. Whereas longer term, it might be the case that I should give you more of the reins where we're saying, right, your fat loss has stalled. What do you think we should do? Okay. Like real, real open-ended. And the person might say, I think that we should reduce calories a bit, but hunger has been a real obstacle for me. Um, I feel like it might be compromising my adherence a bit. So maybe we could just make a small all drop and maybe I could do a better job in terms of being a bit more rigid with my tracking and uh, making sure I'm not snacking etc. so if someone comes back with that feedback again I'm like that is a huge win because the person has shown to me that they're thinking about all the things that I would be thinking about. And if the person comes back, obviously like with this collaborative decision-making process, one of your roles as a coach is that if the person is not coming back with information that you think is correct, then that's your opportunity for education. Again, preparing that person for the future. So overall, I think bringing people into the decision-making process as a coach, as a healthcare professional, um, I think can really start to help, um, them to get to a position where they're able to make those decisions for themselves longer term. So that's one of my biggest things.
1: Yeah. I think basically creating an environment where you can talk openly with your clients, like actually you yeah. have a conversation as if like, obviously at the start you treat them like children, basically, you know, you're like, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. Right. And, um, but then as you get through the coaching process and they're like, okay, yeah, I understood why we were doing this, but I actually preferred this and you can actually listen to that. And it's not just a case of you're like, of course you prefer eating more calories like you know (laughs) yeah you know um but like they're actually just like yeah I actually wouldn't mind I find it easier to stick to if you know my protein is a little bit higher or yeah, my my carbs or my fats or you know whatever it is they're just like oh or also like I know we have been having like pretty steady calories throughout the, the every single day but I find it easier to eat in a calorie deficit while I'm in work and I wouldn't mind having a few more calories to play with at the weekend you know like different things like that like you're not going to find that information out unless you build that relationship and actually talk to the individual and, and also create an environment where they can ask questions. Like in our intro uh, like to, to coaching um, emails and stuff, it's like, all right, this, like, I want you to know, like asking a million questions is, is good. You know, like mm-hmm. that's, I, I want you to realize that and know that, you know, like in my, one, I literally repeated like three times, I'm like, ask a million questions like ask questions and because i always ultimately look at it i'm like look this is a service you're paying for you might as well get the absolute most of the service like milk it for all it is worth you know and the only way you can do that is by asking questions so they have to feel comfortable asking questions now again depending on how exactly you coach and if you are a coach um, and like that's obviously going to be different you know and you might be like right you can ask me a million questions but just do it on this day or when we're in the gym or whatever it is you know um, and obviously if you're an individual like it's a little bit harder to ask questions because you, you don't have someone to ask questions oh wait you actually have a, a question box below that you could easily ask questions in but anyway uh, <laughs> um so like I, I think basically building that relationship in that environment where it's a, it is a collaborative approach and it's always moving towards that collaboration in terms of like, I can't feel what you can feel. Like I give you an exercise and I go, yeah, this is supposed to work the quads. You know, you might be like, right. Wow. I actually feel my glutes great in this exercise. You know, like I can't feel that. I, like I, there's no way for me to be able to feel that. Not that we should be putting a huge amount of emphasis in terms of how an exercise feels in terms of it's like hypertrophic or strength response or whatever. And, but that's still valuable information. If you're just like, oh yeah, actually I do squats and I feel like I'm leaning over to my left-hand side lows, you know? And I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't really see that, you know? It's still yeah. information that I need to make better decisions going forward, you know? Um, so you, you need to have an environment that the person can communicate with you and you can ask questions, they can ask questions and effectively build that collaboration so that you can get to a point where they're effectively coaching themselves that's what i always look for i'm like you're you're basically telling me you're like hmm you know i think a, a lower rep block of training would make sense like say people i had like coaching them over covid and stuff we were doing obviously more higher reps because you know we've got body weight stuff and you know bands and like it's not exactly great for doing a six rep max or something you know um so coming out of that, I had a few clients that were like, yeah, I wouldn't mind getting back to, you know, a little bit of lower rep training. And I want to build some strength on this exercise and this exercise. Uh, but I also want to build some muscle here and here. And I feel like I lost a bit of muscle here. And they're basically telling me how they want to see the, the the program designed. But also they're telling me in a way that I'm like, but you're kind of ready to go on your own with, with coaching. Like, you you know what I'm going to give you, you, you know, the the training plan yeah you might not know all the specifics and you might be like oh, i'm not really like they're still wanting to outsource that they the, the all of the thinking um, and they might be like all right, i well i would never program this for myself but i know it's it's good for me you know um or whatever it is so th- it's not to say that the, the, the coaching necessarily ends when you feel that the individual is you know self-sufficient they could go out and do it themselves and um, but we want to get them to that position where it is that collaboration. Like if you are a coach, you're effectively talking to a peer, you know, rather than talking to a child, you know, where you're like, Oh yeah. Like you talk to a child, obviously you're going to talk to them differently than if you're talking to another adult and you're like, yeah, we can actually have like an adult. That's in your, your industry knows all the stuff that, you know, you know, it's like, obviously that's a different conversation style and, conversation entirely and then if you're just talking to someone they are like, look I need to be able to help you get information you know you're just new on the job we need to get you to the position where you know all the stuff you know
0: yeah and I mean I also just want to add that if you're if you're an early career coach you know you're kind of just getting into things it is harder to do that and I completely appreciate all this because there are going to be cases where you know if you If you start telling your clients to ask all the questions and you know you let them make all the decisions and stuff you're actually not in a position comfortable enough with your level of education to be able to like be so comfortable with all those answers and with all that information to be flexible and everything because you might be in more of a place at the moment where you actually have some things that work for you, but you're not entirely sure of why you're kind of in that learning process. Maybe you did personal training, you did a personal training course, you know a good bit about exercise, but maybe your nutrition isn't up to scratch. So I appreciate that like this is coming from the perspective of 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 us who have coached for years and spent a lot of time on education, and that it is much easier when you when you've gone through that process. But over time, this is something you should be moving towards. So what I would say to you is that if you're early on as a personal trainer, you don't have to feel like right? Immediately, let's start doing everything that they that they're suggesting here. But it's something to aim at. So it's something to think about when you're thinking of what is a good coach that you think, okay, I want to get to the point where I'm able to collaboratively make decisions with my clients, because sometimes it can be challenging, you know, if you're a, if you're a personal trainer, and let's say you're coaching, uh, let's say a physiotherapist or, or something like that, or you might be coaching a nutritionist, you know, so a couple of my clients have degrees in nutrition. If I was a an early career personal trainer and we were starting to do collaborative decision-making on nutrition, they might actually have more knowledge than me on a lot of things, you know? Um, So being aware of those things, maintaining your humility and being able to turn around when someone does ask a question and say, hey, look, I'm not actually sure but next week, I'm going to try and get you a better answer if that's okay. You know, people, people do like that. And I think that if you can be humble as a personal trainer early on, I think that will make it easier to eventually get to this point of collaborative decision making. Because, you know, it is a case of, of insecurity with, with some coaches, you know, some people who have been in the industry for years who are very rigid in the way that they approach things. They often will tell their clients, uh, this is the way we do things, and if they ask questions, it's kind of a case of, "Oh, this is just what we do." You know, we do sets of six to eight, like that's just what we do. You know, um, so yeah, don't be dogmatic with your approach. Allow your clients into the decision-making process. Um, don't hold hands, but do give support as needed, um, and don't always throw people in the deep end. But you know, do, do push them in a little bit. <laughs> I think that's that's a sound sound conclusion. Yeah, i not really this,
1: down this. Like, obviously, this is a, a much bigger discussion. You know, yeah, like,
0: it's a me, it's a meta topic. You know, you can get get into all the specifics.
1: Exactly, it's a huge thing. But if Gary, where, if they wanted to find out more information about like this kind of topic, and so where where would they go? Yeah. So,
0: so as most of you will be aware at this point, you've been listening to the podcast. um At the end of this month, the plan is to launch the coaches' oh, corner. So not
1: even at the end of this month. Before the end of the month,
0: two weeks two weeks, there you go. Um, We're going to be launching the Coaches Corner, which is a platform designed for the education of personal trainers, uh, primarily. And basically, it's going to be a continuing education platform rather than like a primary education platform. So, you know, the the intent is to give you all the, the information, you know, related things like anatomy and physiology, that sort of stuff, nutrition theory, but more so, bring it to the point where you're actually applying it. So, you know, giving you different case studies, talking through things like this, you know, how do you actually, if you have a client that signs up and you think they are very low self efficacy, they're very dependent on you. How do you bring them from that point to being a more independent individual? So all those different types of things, applied coaching practice, that's what it's all going to be about. Um, and and decision-making that's that's ultimately the name of the game information applying it making decisions implementation implementation that's going to be the coach's corner so if you are interested in that you can pre-register your interest below and you'll be put on a wait list and you'll get an exclusive discount um once that is launched so that would be a good idea if you are a coach who wants to um, improve your level of education improve the service that you uh, provide so that's that If you are interested in just kind of keeping up with what we're doing, you can join the Triage Method newsletter. Um, That's our weekly newsletter. And that is uh, basically going to provide you with uh, interesting inter interesting content from around the internet that we've come across um also some exclusive content that doesn't go elsewhere so we write a little post or article um, or share a research paper or whatever and give a bit of a rundown on that within the newsletter um, and also provide all the content that we've shared throughout the week so different content we've been producing and if you've been struggling to follow on social media that's a good place to get a kind of a, a catch all of what's been going on And the triage method community is also our free open access Facebook group and you get a lot of the same benefits in there. You know, if I find an interesting paper, I might share it in there and say, Hey, look, this is an interesting paper. Here's why I thought it was interesting. Here's, you know, why you might think it's interesting. Boom, done um similarly we share all of our content in there that we've been producing and people ask questions we have different discussions we share some excerpts from the coach's corner um so that's a good place to be if you are interested in coaching with us in that you you want to sign up for coaching we do have spaces available and you can find information about that below um and if you just like to follow along with our content in general we've got the instagram the facebook at triage method youtube triage method and of course the triage method podcast which we recommend you subscribe to and leave a rating and review if you would be so kind wonderful
1: gary you are such a, a good salesperson, like a poet <laughs> i mean anyway i have literally nothing else to say so uh it is too easy gary it's too easy